Hi, my name is Selim Bujak and I'm joined by Robert Crowther-Jones, Head of Private Capital at Saranac Partners, to talk about private credits. We will be discussing how the asset class has done through the crisis, why investors are increasingly interested, and whether fund managers can actually deliver expected returns. Hi, Robert. Thanks for joining me. Um, so I want to talk to you today about private debt. It seems now a lot more investors are getting interested in the asset class in this low income world that we're in. Um, I'm wondering, is, uh, has that been your experience as well? How attractive is private debt at the moment? Private debt's been a really interesting market for our clients, and it's been an area that we have been increasing allocation to. Um, over the last couple of years. Um, and as we did so, kind of reaching uh, a level where actually uh, we were quite comfortable with our allocation. We thought the opportunity set was well matched with the right level of balance in our portfolios. Um, and then I guess in the last uh, 12, 18 months, we think that that's created a catalyst that now might see a greater increase of opportunities again over the next 12 months for private lending. So uh, it's quite an interesting time where it felt like we'd reached a peak in our allocations um, and we're starting to trim positions um, and now actually rethinking about that and, and, and potentially actively adding to that allocation again, which is, uh, which is quite interesting. So which parts of the markets are you finding most interesting at the moment? Uh, for us, uh, investing into um, private credits um, and private corporates at a senior debt level, either on an asset-backed or cash flow basis, uh, is, is really interesting for us. We like going in on that senior first lien approach. Uh, because that's giving our clients the, the greater control and exposure and risk management uh, whilst uh, minimizing kind of the loss of return through going into the high yield or public credit markets where we're seeing a lot of compressed spreads. And um, so we're just eking out that illiquidity premium while still having a good and strong control position within the way that our clients are accessing private debt. There's a lot of value to be had out there in second lien debt and, and structurally subordinated credits. We appreciate that. But uh, I think for us, the, the really interesting risk return is in that senior secured position, uh, even where that's a stretched senior position versus kind of normalized banking levels. Uh, it still gives you a more controlled uh, environment than having the senior bank position in and then having the private credit in on top. And we quite like that. And are you seeing any innovation from fund managers in terms of kind of new strategies? I know there's been um, a lot more you know, funds being launched in the distress space, for example. Yeah, there's definitely been some innovation in the in the private credit market over the last few years. Um, and I think probably private credit in Europe started much more focused around asset-backed lending um, and developed into offering more cash flow-based lending. And we're seeing greater propensities for receivables, financings, other securitization formats, um, uh, and other interesting kind of differentiated lending offerings being put forward. Uh, yeah, there are even uh, more venture debt products now starting to emerge that's expanding the different types of corporates that you could have exposure to through the private markets. I guess the most interesting piece we've seen around that is those that are looking at the uh, B2B and SaaS uh, markets in the context of uh, forward funding against annual recurring revenue and, and kind of CAC uh, funding in terms of uh, the marketing budgets for those uh, ventures and corporates. Um, I guess it's closest to you know, the more mainstream lending that's closest to uh, Silicon Valley Bank and what they've been able to do and expel as a, a product, product for a major part of the market. But you're starting to see some uptake by 
uh, credit funds to do similar products or similar uh, innovations in the way that they're looking at lending, measuring lending and, and finding new opportunities to lend against very strong reoccurring cash flows. So that's quite interesting uh, and quite a new space uh, that's being developed. We're not necessarily putting too much uh, investment capital in there, but certainly watching how that develops and how those kind of forward funding venture related debt instruments uh, are, are working and performing and what the default rate on those might be like over the next part of the cycle uh, to get a sense of uh, how reliable those are as, as potential uh, fixed income type instruments. And uh, looking back over last year, I mean, through the crisis, um, you've obviously had an allocation to private debt funds. Um, how have they done? Have they Have they been able to perform as expected? Yeah, it's been a really important factor as to how those funds have done through uh, through COVID and through part of this part of the cycle. Um, the performance of private debt in a lot of ways is kind of perceived as being untested because the market really expanded and grew after the financial crisis. Um, we put a lot of stock and, and, and energy into going and finding managers who had participated in debt instruments and debt structuring and underwriting through the last crisis. I'm, I'm pleased to say, yeah, we feel that's definitely been worthwhile with the managers that we've been working with. And we've seen that the performance of managers who have had previous exposures to workouts, had previous exposures to default cycles, have been able to both reduce the level of defaults that they had in their book and also manage through those positions well. And so the funds that we're invested in, we've been pleased to see uh, continue to have positive returns, positive IRRs in line with expectations, but just dipping to the bottom end of uh, what we were expecting from them rather than necessarily kind of being outperforming their median targets, which is where they had been up until the crisis. And that's really with them taking good views on uh, potentially waiving some interest payments for a, a three month period, uh, but then moving back to interest and amortization as soon as they've been able to, uh, so that investor returns are kept at a good level, uh, but we're not ending up with defaults and we're not ending up with illiquidity or, or recoveries issues. So we're pleased with that. We'd rather uh, lose a couple of points on the IRR and manage the principal risk uh, than be too aggressive chasing the IRR and, and end up with defaults that, uh, that, that didn't provide good recoveries. Mm. And um, obviously with private uh, debt funds, as well as any private market strategies, essentially, uh, there is a high cost to allocating um, to these types of funds. Do you think the returns justify those costs? They definitely have historically. It's been, it's been a really interesting space to be to, to look at the risk reward and cost trade-offs of private debt has been a really important part of this. And, and, and for an investor coming in today and looking at the private debt market, it's important to weigh the total exposure and the total return that you're going to get versus that cost and risk. Um, our view was that when you look at uh, the cost of entering into kind of closed-ended vehicles and private equity structures, you were getting enough of an illiquidity premium over where rates were at a very historically low level, and ultimately credit spreads were also at quite a historical low level um, going back into last year. Um, as rates widened in the public market, that became less compelling for a short period of time, probably between kind of April and July last year. There was a less compelling argument to pay for the kind of uh, credit rate exposure that you would get through uh, private markets instruments because the public markets instruments were yielding much more uh, than they had historically. But we've seen that com quickly compressed back down. And so by kind of Q4 last year, uh, public market credit spreads were back to levels near where they were pre-COVID. Um, and in that context, we still feel very comfortable 
comfortable that the illiquidity premium and the complexity premium uh, and the extra credit spread that you're essentially receiving through uh, going into private markets instruments is outweighing the cost uh, of good uh, of the good manager selection and performance and management that you require in that space. So, uh, so still, it still represents a good um, cost and return trade off for us at this point in time. Uh, we're certainly going to actively monitor that, especially as you see a, a forward rate curve that's now uh, uh, sees a steepening of, of rates over over the short term and medium term period. Potentially, if that starts to kick in, certainly in the shorter term, that's going to put a lot more pressure and challenge uh, as to whether or not you're getting enough incremental benefit from private credit over public credits. It's uh, interesting you mentioned the illiquidity premium, actually, because obviously with these types of funds, um, especially for individual investors or family offices, there might be concerns um, around having to lock up your money for long periods of time. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. And also, um, obviously, these funds sometimes can be offered in an open-ended format as well. And is that something that you've looked at? Um, do you think it works for private credit? Yeah, so there's um, some really interesting dynamics with liquidity on, on private credit. Firstly, comparing kind of private credit to private equity, generally we find clients actually much prefer private credit to private equity from a liquidity perspective because of the defined maturity of the product um, and because of the high likelihood of repayment or, or capital events that ultimately see them uh, having distributions from funds. Uh, so we like that duration trade versus other private markets instruments where you're typically in maybe something for three to seven years. Uh, you know, in a short term debt strategy, you might be in something for a two to four year period with much more def definition on the maturity that you should expect from the underlying investments. So that side of things has been positive. With the other side of things more broadly in private markets, of course, secondaries have increased um, and, um, and liquidity offerings to existing LPs has therefore increased. Um, now, that has been much more skewed towards the LBO market and the larger um, parts of the private equity continuum. Uh, that's starting to expand to private debt. And you're seeing GP-led restructurings in private debt. You're seeing secondary LP positions in private debt start to trade. And managers actively pursuing private debt secondaries as part of a secondaries portfolio. That hopefully over time will increase the liquidity uh, in the private debt space, although I think you have to be uh, wary of expecting too much liquidity coming from that in the next one to two years. That's more five to 10 year type trade in that market. Um, overall, we do still prefer closed ended vehicles to open ended vehicles in the private debt market. And that's just matching the liquidity of the investor and the drawdowns and distributions versus the underlying instruments. Um, and that's because ultimately, when you look at open-ended vehicles, you have two major factors to consider. Uh, one is uh, equalization on the way in and the risk that coming into an open-ended vehicle, you need to look at a very long book of, port uh, of portfolio loans that they have. And the portfolio loans that are already held at a marked down position. Uh, they may reflect fair value or consideration that's been applied by the manager. But you have to ask yourself whether you're really going to see a recovery or any redemption of capital on those positions. And if you're not, whether or not those should be held or whether you're speculating really at what the recovery value of that uh, note is going to be is during the maturity of your investment in this vehicle. And I think that's quite a challenging piece for incoming investors to get right. The larger the book of uh, marked down or below par uh, loans in open-ended vehicles, the harder I think it is for investors to really want to participate in those vehicles. 
The second thing about open-ended vehicles is when you're coming out of those vehicles. Uh, and obviously, in a simple scenario, in, in a bull market, you're coming out of that when there's liquidity and others wanting to buy into your position. But where you're starting to come out of it in a downwards trending environment, you're waiting for returns on those investments, which, of course, themselves are delayed because of the nature of the market that you're in at that point in time. Uh, and you're potentially doing so at a point where other investors are wanting to exit as well. And that puts pressure in the same way any open-ended vehicle experiences that pressure. But the underlying securities here are fundamentally less liquid. And therefore, there's much less flexibility and ability for the manager to navigate out of those positions. We see managers counter that by having large cash positions. But of course, that introduces a cash drag to performance uh, or having gating and other restrictions and soft lockup uh, formats which work for some investors, but aren't necessarily our kind of preferred outcome. We'd rather look to kind of having a more defined risk bucket of a closed-ended risk that we can manage in the portfolio of other private markets assets that we have. So quite happy to take the illiquidity of a closed-ended vehicle, but the the more defined maturity and, and, and distribution profile that we get from that. Mm-hmm. Great. And uh, finally, I just wanted to get your outlook on the asset class. I mean, where do you see it going over the next uh, year or so? What are some external factors that might impact um, the investments in these areas as well? Yes, yeah, so I think you've touched upon a few things that are actually really interesting uh, in this market. Uh, one is that the, the there is a general growth and perception of growth for, for private debt still. Uh, and, and we've seen that actually it's performed reasonably well during this COVID test. Um, and as we come out of uh, kind of a COVID cycle, it will be interesting to see if the private debt funds are able to mobilise more quickly into lending back into the market than the banks are. Um, and that may offer up a greater number of opportunities um, certainly, when you look at the uh, nature of performing debt versus distressed debt, uh, you may see a, you know, another wave of more distress-focused managers and, and private credit lenders. And we're certainly deploying capital and spending time uh, with distressed and dislocation-focused managers at this point, at this precise point in the cycle, uh, because that's going to play to the pockets of volatility and illiquidity that we expect to see come out of uh, the curtailment of government support programs, the tightening of monetary policy, and the overall shift as we face the economic impact of what happened in 2020. So a great wave of, uh, of distressed investors, um, but also uh, then an expansion of the broader credit market for private credit, particularly in Europe, uh, where there's still plenty of growth for, uh, for private debt as a component of the market. After that, the longer term trends, are, I think we touched upon them earlier, you know, the, the secondaries dynamic uh, coming across from the private equity market into the private debt market, I think is going to be quite strong. And innovation to products and, and dipping down, particularly to provide more debt into venture products um, and a greater propensity for sponsor-less debt, uh, i.e. non uh, non-financial sponsor lending is going to increase the share of the market that the private debt uh, makes up. And I think those kind of three areas will see the longer term format of growth over five to 10 year period. Great. Well, thank you so much, Robert, for taking the time. A real pleasure as always.